0: Thanks for tuning in, folks. On this week's edition, we're going to cover another cold case that actually happened back in 1984, and the victim is dead now because it's a cold. I'm just kidding. This isn't that kind of podcast. Hey, Peter.
1: Uh, Hey, welcome. Welcome
0: back. (laughs) Welcome back to Weekend at Effie's. We took the week off last week, um, not because it was my birthday, but because we were very busy. We were very busy boys, and I'm proud of you for being a busy boy.
1: I love it. I'm proud of you for being busy. What did you do for your birthday?
0: Okay, so almost nothing except for not doing doing interviews that I forgot I booked on my birthday. Usually I'm pretty like about getting to stuff, but it was like the day of my birthday, and I was like, I'm not talking to anybody about myself today. I just want to live in the moment. But I did go back on my Monday night stream, Monday Not Raw on Twitch, and we watched my very first match. And let me tell you something. Peter... There's nothing that fires me up more than seeing somebody progress and gain skill. You know, maybe you don't see a wrestler for a while. They learn some new moves, get their body right, get some new gear. It was so refreshing to look back and see that I fucking sucked because I should. I should fucking suck. It's my first wrestling match. But what also fired me up was that, like, the fuck you spirit was just on full effect.
1: Was it like uh, first Sam Raimi Spider Man? It was. The the bone slicer. (laughs) It was a little like that, except for a lot more like,
0: I'm not sure what comes next versus just violence against the Spider Boy, you know? But I was also wearing yellow bicycle trunks and a denim vest. And, honey, I was talking as deep southern as you can imagine. Don't mess with Effie. Someone, there was a point in the match where I didn't draw attention to it, but I did enjoy this. It was in front of about 14 people in a dance studio. And at one point I yelled, what's my name? And this girl goes, gay. <laughs> and I couldn't help but crack off. I didn't want to like make a scene. But to know that like when I'm going back to these interviews that I'm doing now and I'm telling people, like they're like, what homophobia did you deal with? And I'm like, it was possibly severe. It's just this little girl saying that my name is gay. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little bit hard. I've done a lot since we spoke, though. I feel like you probably have, too. It's we, quite an adventure. I thought today, and this is where I was like, do I have CTE? I was like, what did I do the weekend before? Like I was completely unsure of what I did the weekend before, but I remembered it by looking at my calendar and then remembering everything that had happened. So I think what I'm saying is this is going to become an even more important tool down the line so that when I'm 80 and in a wheelchair and they push me around, I can listen back and go, you know what, Cognizance was fun. But overrated, maybe.
1: Well, then you get to experience it again for the first time.
0: Yes. There's kind of a beauty to
1: that. You know, the only really with
0: dementia, it's sad for the person who has it. But it's sadder for the people around them. And it's yeah. sort of the concept of a funeral, which is like the funeral is not for the dead person. It's for the people to mourn and celebrate. And so I understand seeing someone in that state is tough. But also, if it's me, I'm probably fine. I'm chilling. I repeat the same stories anyway.
1: I'm just gonna re-watch my favorite movies. I'm gonna have a list of you love this movie and get to like get to see Alien for the first time again and be totally surprised.
0: Just be like, this is are people talking about this? This movie is cinema. This is incredible. Okay, I'm gonna go back. This is before I turned 32 in my mortal flesh years. And this will be a little bit of like, we'll go through the details in order, but there's just a lot of extra shit to throw in Peter. We're hitting uh the fever point, and I knew it would come. I was expecting it around my 32nd birthday based on our discussions, based on things that have happened, based on the workload. But we're, we're hitting the fever pitch, Peter. We're about to go over the edge. We're about to Wiley Coyote, but our Acme rocket works. Yeah. You popped up for that. You like that metaphor? I did. A little cartoon action. Okay. So I started before my birthday by going to Cleveland, Ohio. And I've been to Cleveland before. I've wrestled in Cleveland. But there's something specifically in Cleveland that goes on that is magic, and it's called old wrestling. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It takes place 100 years ago. And we've talked about it on the show before a little bit. I
1: love this. It's incredible. I nearly murdered someone with a motorcycle. <laughs> I did. They did not give me the motorcycle this time.
0: <laughs> if you want to know whether or not I was exaggerating, I was not allowed a motorcycle. And I mean, possibly it was a venue restriction because we were indoors this time. But it is very likely that they said, you know... He might be playing a motorcycle character, but he didn't do the Tom Cruise training course. Like He didn't go through the whole thing. I was not given the motorcycle. I did get to work with one of my favorite talents. Um, their name is something different in the show. It's, it's Detective Hart. I think, is their name in the show. They do the, ho- the heart punch. So this is an old move where back when people really believed a lot more than they do now, this is a punch straight to the heart, and it has been known to kill people. Oh, shit. It's a heart punch. It will stop your heart. You're gonna cause an arrhythmia. Either way, I got to work with Dick Justice. And one thing that I discussed with Dick Justice. Dick Justice. Dick Justice, who used to be a cop, not anymore. ACAB, now he's a cab. Dick
1: detective.
0: Uh he's the dick detective. <laughs> yes. He's a he's a big dick on the case. Um, I want to say this on saying a cab, all cops are bad. I have to add something to that list. I was at Piedmont Park walking my dog, much like little Lucy walking in the room. And there was a tricycle cop. You know what I'm talking about? Like the electronic tricycles. Have you seen these? They have them in the Minneapolis airport where I've seen them, where I took a picture and said, one day I'm going to tweet all tricycle cops are bad too. Uh, but I, 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 I don't
1: think I've seen one here or that at all. They may be new. We have lots of horse cops. Here. Horse cops are big. Um, but these were tricycles. there's cops. also gangs
0: on horses here because that's how wild Atlanta good. is. Good, <laughs> good. Listen, I've seen the horsey guys go through the uh, Wendy's drive-thru. That's a sight to behold. I don't know if they feed the horses the fries, though. but Wendy's does have pretty good fries. Either way, all tricycle cops are bad. I got to work with Dick Justice. Effie uh, Davidson, it's an Assassin's Creed situation. You go in to the Animus and you go back into your ancestors. And to let you know, it is very exciting for me to know that my ancestors were daredevils. Now, have we talked about my great-grandfather here at all on the show? I so. This was something that I was very excited to understand, and we're probably going to get a little too deep here, but I think it's good as we reflect, and I'm 32, and knowing your family history can help you, whether that's medically or mentally. And my grandmother was a very timid person, and I had heard stories, you know, back in the day, the Widenhouse family, Betty Widenhouse, they paved a lot of the roads in North Carolina, big concrete construction business, uh, she used to drive the trucks. She would go out on the field, like she was like a man's woman, and would handle business. And my father was a little hesitant throughout parts of his life. He's a little bit more of a, let me see what happens before I go jump on that. And I'm sort of like, let me go jump on that. Um, their father, I guess, my grandmother's father, Carl Weidenhouse. You can Google this. There's some New York Times articles. He was also a speedboat racer. This man was knuckin' futz. He was crazy. He would just race speedboats. Historically, they said that uh, him and Dale Earnhardt used to race boats around Lake Norman just to get people fired up on the shores. This is like real stuff. But no one would talk about Carl Weidenhouse when I was growing up. No one ever brought him up. There was one boat trophy that was in the living room, but if you brought it up, there was one time my grandmother cried when I brought up the boat trophy. Whose is this? What's it? Like, this is real. And turns out, Carl Weidenhouse exploded in a speedboat accident. Oh my God. Now here's where it gets crazier and where it starts to make more sense. Cause I always said, why don't I have my father's timidity? Where does this come from? My father was five months in the womb of my grandmother when she was on the shore and saw her father explode in a boat. So I started to understand a little bit more of the hesitancy, but then I also understood that I come from a long line of pure adrenaline seeking, Outrageous psychopaths who will race speedboats in a time like this is the 60s and 50s. There's nothing safe about racing a speedboat then or now. The man exploded in a speedboat. I'm honored to call him my great grandfather. Shout out Carl Weidenhaus, but we're talking about Effie Davidson right now. Another daredevil from my past, the motorcycle riding son of a bitch who's showing up to do stunts and make all the ladies cry. Not because I'm so handsome, but because I'm so handsome and I'm not going to date him, you know, because Effie Davidson wears sweaters and hats. You know, he's up to no good. But I think the second part is, and I think this was intentional, the outfit I get to wear is basically a Tom of Finland pin up photo shoot outfit. I've got leather gloves, got my mustache, got my hat and sunglasses, got my tight little jeans, and I had to I got to wear like a big Kerouac like on the road sweater. I don't know. It doesn't really fit the timeline, but it felt good. And I have to say, the fans of old wrestling they make it so much more exciting because they all dress up too. Like they all Oh, that's
1: awesome. act I like it's that. the
0: olden days, fans and big dresses and hats and everybody's just having the time of their life. It's incredible. Old wrestling is magic. If you ever get a chance as a performer or a person to go see this, it is beautiful. Now, I was a little confused though because The whole night I kept seeing famous professional wrestler and MMA savant Dom Guarini at the venue. I was like, who are you? Like, what's your character? What are you doing back in time? He was like, I'm waiting on you. And I was like, oh my God. I have, a, I have people who are professionals in this business waiting on me. This has gone too far. I went and stayed at Dom Garini's house because it's not like he was just waiting on me to wait on me because I'm cute. He was waiting on me because I was staying at his house, and we were going to go to a show the next day. So I got out of the time machine, got out of the Animus. You know those parts in the Assassin's Creed game. Not the most fun when you're just a regular person, and you don't have Enzo blades. So I had to give back my Enzo blades. But we rested. It was a well-rested time. I had an adult cigarette and went right to sleep on a couch, which anyone who complains about sleeping on a couch is not slept on a couch. It is, it's like it's built for someone my size. Like I fit perfectly in the couch. But here's where it gets rowdy. And I was a little nervous about this show because Saturday I went to Black Label Pro. And I love Black Label Pro. I've had a lot of great matches at Black Label Pro. I fought Gangrel there. I fought Brian Myers there. I fought Danhausen originally there. And then we became Gay Panic, which weekend two of this podcast we're going to get into dan house and stuff so don't worry um it is a wonderful platform for wrestlers and they know this what i'm about to say they know what i'm about to say they book too many fucking matches in a day it was two shows in one day 22 total matches taking place over the course of about 11 hours and i got there bright and fucking early I thought the drive from Cleveland to Crown Point, Indiana was like two hours. It's like a six-hour drive with oh our speed. Uh, but myself and the one of the most jacked humans I've ever met, Josh Bishop and Dom Guarini, got in this car, and we went to Black Label Pro. Now, I don't mind getting to a show that early, but the problem with this venue is you're in a warehouse. You don't have any snacks or accoutrements. They had, like, Little Caesars. And my opponent did not even get there until... The second show started. So I'm just standing around talking with people all day. I enjoy hanging out with people. I love being at the shows and talking. But I got to be honest, one problem I do have is uh, if I'm just standing around a lot, I'm going to be fidgety and I'm going to be going. So then by the time I get to the match, it's like I've technically been exercising all day, just running around in circles. And when there's that many matches, Peter, imagine you're on a talent show, right? And they're like, all right, here's your number. You're number 20 of 22 in the talent show. After watching everybody else's talents, you sort of like, there's a weird thing that builds in your brain. And I'm not saying it makes you want to do anything bad, but it makes you go, I'm going to do some fucking weird shit since everybody's doing the same thing over and over here. I love it. I love pro wrestling, but I'm going to do some weird shit. And originally, I was scheduled to face Puff because I beat Kevin Blackwood so bad with a roll-up in Las Vegas that the other Buffalo boy, Puff, wanted to come out and try it. I wasn't probably going to have to bump that much old time wrestling didn't have to bump that much and now i'm fighting mike bennett former ring of honor champion mike bennett former i don't know if he was a ring of honor champion he held some belts they all look similar from 30 feet away don't be a don't be a mark this is a serious boston strong style jacked tall bald dude and luckily i just tricked him and made him do so much weird gay shit made him do all the weird fantasy stuff. We had an excellent match, a strange matchup. This is the second time we fought and the second time I think I've beat Mike Bennett, which is hilarious. I exist in this place now, Peter, where I can fight all these people, win or lose, and I almost exist as an asterisk. Like, not in a bad way, though. Like, I love thinking of the concept of, like, here's all of our plans. Here's the plans for our wrestling company. Here's what we're going to do. And then the asterisk comes along And goes, yeah, and it's me. I show up. I derail your plans. I get two over. I make your strong style boys go weird. I take victories over people that probably have to have victories in other places to mean something. And it doesn't hurt anyone because I'm a spirit. And I make you face yourself. And Mike Bennett had to face the fact that although he has children and is a father, that he ain't the fucking daddy. And he found out I am the fucking daddy. I rolled his ass up. That's a victory. Check the cage match, baby. It was a good time, though, and I, I think knowing the Black Label Pro setup, knowing how many matches there were, knowing what's there, uh, I think I give myself more shortcuts now of like, I know what this is going to be, let me prep the Uber Eats. I know what this is going to be, do I have a car to go sit in and smoke weed? I know what this is going to be, You know, where are my escape routes and who's getting me out of here on time? Because in these situations where there's just wrestling constantly, I'm not going anywhere. I'll stand at the table till 1 a.m. If people are still coming to see me, I'll not pack up my gear until it's the last second. But knowing that about myself, I set my, I set my hooks early and I said, where are we going? What are we going to do? This is magic. Uh, I got out of there. I was done out of there. I went to uh, Chicago, Illinois to hang out with Trevor outlaw again at the episodic named, uh, what was it? The Silicon Valley sex dungeon
1: <laughs> fully
0: furnished now, fully available now, uh, what a magical, beautiful thing. I, then this is not, the weekend doesn't end. And this is the thing that's going to get harder going forward. I pack my schedule. I had, I did an interview yesterday and we'll talk about that in a second where they were like, could you send us like a quick bio? And I was like, yeah, but part of me being such a PR professional, being extremely good at copy and, and language, um, since I am, I don't really want to be, And so, like I told you earlier about the casting thing I was doing, I'll send you just a picture of me eating buffalo eggs, and then the casting director calls you back anyway. When I'm writing these things, sometimes I'm like... Asking why didn't the video work? The video didn't load, and I go, it's not a video. It's a picture of me eating buffalo eggs. So, Peter, we got to do a video for this. But it's the concept of, like, I am so sick of being good at this stuff that I studied to be good at that I don't want to do it anymore. But sometimes you're like, okay, I need to just do this. And as I started writing it out, I was like... Evie, Evie's doing a lot of shit. I'm on top of a lot of shit, and so with more and more and more and more, I'm always going to do my best to keep up with everything on here and try to like really process, and so I can go back and listen to. But it sometimes I forget, and sometimes I blank, and I, I just took that moment to speak to you to remember what I did on Sunday. Uh, Someone asked me. They said, "Are you in Tournament of Survival this year?" And I said, "No." And if you want to know what I'm thinking about bleeding um i'm having a match with puff and they all laughed because puff is not gonna bleed with me he did a single tube death match they had one light tube and they kept attempting to hit each other with it and they i think the finish they broke it but it was like it's the play on hardcore that we need and so when they were like are you doing tos i was like no i'm fighting puff that day wrestling fans kind of understood like effie bled his blood uh but i was gonna come in for the cage of survival and Unfortunately, there were some drops on the earlier card. I don't like wrestling before 9.30 p.m., all right? Sometimes on a Sunday, you got to do it. 5 o'clock show, you might have to wrestle at 7. But this, this, my friends, is unacceptably early. Uh, I wrestled on the 1 o'clock JCW show, and Bussy defended the GCW Tag Team Championships for the first time ever at JCW against Bully Starks and Marcus Mathers. I got to tell you something. I'm, I'm fucking sick of children, Peter. I'm fucking sick of it. All right, we got a 17-year-old, a 19-year-old. They want to fight for our championships. They were going to have some big match with Impact superstars who couldn't make it. That's okay. You got Effie, you got catch, you got Bussy. But being Effie at 1 p.m. when the sun's still out, it's possible. It's not as fun for me. And I think, unfortunately for them, they got the meaner version because I was just mean to everybody in this match. I think I was even mean to Alley in this match. And I paid for it, Peter. Because if we had recorded last week, and you probably can't tell right now. I'm going to smile for you real quick. Is there still a crookedness? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. so Like in your teeth? <laughs> I think my teeth are fine. I think part of my jawbone has yeah. shifted. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go see a doctor, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't hurt anymore, but when I smile, it's like... Yeah, there's a You can a little, tell. Yeah. So that's from Marcus Mathers landing a sick 450, and that shin went right across my face. This is not his fault. I went back and looked at the video. I was a little out of line if he was measuring up for the middle, but also thank God I have my teeth because that was your whole face goes numb when someone's shin comes from 10 feet in the air on top of it after rotating in a flip. And you can't really tell how bad the damage is. It was the same deal when I bit my tongue. I was like, is it there? Like, is my tongue there? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, "Like, I don't know. I can't feel this. The move was a 450 onto me. And then Billy Starks follows it up with another flipping senton, swanton bomb onto my chest. And as soon as she landed on me, kayfabe damned, I said, are all my teeth here? <laughs> and she looked at me and went like that. She went, yeah. And I went, fuck it. And I kicked out. So it could have been much worse. But I think sometimes when you... When you're just going through the motions, that's when things happen. So just focus, be safe, and sit in the right position because these kids, they can aim most of the time, but my God, they can't aim. Bussy was victorious. No fucking surprise there. Bussy wins. I got to sit back and watch The Cage of Survival in Atlantic City, and I got to spend more time with the lovely Drew Parker. Now, he got injured in Vegas at the outdoor show and had like a shark gash of a wound in the back of his leg the
1: the nurses running away this
0: is the nurses running away video which he has not released but it will go out to the public eventually because it's fucking hilarious um but he had been advised by a few people probably not to do the tournament of survival and instead did the tournament of survival with his wonky leg and won the tournament of survival he did three full death matches saturday while i was like waiting around going where's my opponent the man was just bleeding everywhere and so Sunday I got to spend a little time with him and hang out because I think he just went back to England and guess who's going to England me big F is going to England yesterday if you're familiar with any of the UK wrestling scene Visage called my ass out Visage is a wonderful uh queer wrestler who has also performed in drag before I think I've seen them in luscious wigs and makeup they've got the stash going on right now so I know that'll be a bit of a battalion uh, but unfortunately, they said they're going to try to retire at the end of the year. And I'm coming to the UK in September, middle of September. If I can do anything in my power to make sure that that retirement doesn't happen until I get Visage back here for a big gay brunch, I will do it. I will be, I will be PR sway Effie to try to keep Visage here because I think the US and I think the big gay brunch needs to have Visage on the show. That being said, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. I'm going to come over to England. I'm going to eat blood pudding. I'm gonna yell at people. I'm gonna make fun of the queen. You think I couldn't beat the queen in a fight? I got no respect for that bitch. I know what she did. Look at Prince Andrew. I'm coming over to England to kiss all my fans and to disrespect and rebuild Brit Rest. Okay? Brit Wrestling has fallen under. NXT bought everybody out. There were a lot of creeps and weirdos out there. Effie's gonna come save Brit Rest. This is just the appetizer. I've got a little secret in store. I will be at TNT with GCW, but there might be a little something extra going on. So buckle up. Get ready for England. Very excited for that match with Visage. And very excited for Drew Parker to finally be home. The man's been living in Japan for three years. I mean, he's been Damn. in and out of coming back, but he's been at Big Japan Wrestling doing deathmatch shit for three years. Just, I can't... I love wrestling. I love it with all my heart. But I cannot imagine... Going to a country where I don't speak the language, and I'm sure he's learned a lot of Japanese. He's made a lot of friends. You know, Change is constant, and it is something we can deal with. But for three years to just go bleed out in a country where I don't know what's going on, God bless you, Drew Parker, you courageous son of a bitch. We hung out in Atlantic City. It was beautiful. And God bless Spirit Airlines. You heard that correctly, folks. God bless Spirit Airlines. They brought back the direct flight from Atlantic City to Atlanta, Georgia. So I took my 10-minute Uber to the airport, and I came right back home on that Monday, and I went my ass to bed because that night we were going to have the birthday stream celebration. Four hours of wrestling. We did it. We made it to midnight. We watched the opening match, like I said, the, the opening match, my first match ever. And uh, we rejoiced. And then it was my birthday, man. It was beautiful. Not just because it's my birthday, but because, let me put it to you this way, Peter. There was a point a while ago where I didn't celebrate my own birthday. Because I was a firm believer in the fact that you celebrate accomplishment, not time lapsed. It's the same way I feel about getting a raise somewhere. Tell me what you did to better the business or to better the situation or to make more money here to get the raise. It's talent over tenure, you know, like the length of things doesn't matter. But I think back to a show in Georgia and it was on my birthday on a Friday and a lot of people gave me gifts. I don't think we've ever discussed this here. Have we? Maybe.
1: I don't think so. I
0: found myself in a gas station parking lot at 2 a.m. Driving back to Florida on my birthday. Very angry that I had to carry all of my birthday presents home. Okay? You rolled your eyes so hard at me right there. But I need you to understand, like, I finished a show. I'm sweaty. I'm trying to sell merch. And people just keep handing me shit. I had four cakes. I had balloons. Stuffed animals. My whole car is full of this shit. And I had almost a full-blown panic attack at a gas station. And I threw it all in the trash. And I remember one of the balloons kind of just popping back up out of the trash because I didn't empty it out all the way. And I was just like, ah! Ah!" And I had to be reflective because I was like, wait a second. These people are all giving you gifts because they want to celebrate your birthday happening. And you're like, I don't celebrate birthdays. But you're missing the bigger point, which is you bring joy to people throughout the year. And on the day where you can reflect on existing for that long, they want to celebrate you. So I made it a point after that. To turn my bitter off, and I will celebrate my birthday, not for myself, and this is where I'm absolutely selfless, Peter, but because it brings joy to others, and I'm not going to be a joy vampire. I don't like clout vampires. I don't like joy vampires. Oddly enough, though, much like a vampire, not exactly, you do have to invite Effie in. I'm not just going to show up. You got to invite me in. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about where your Venus is. Oh, I love this.
0: Well, someone the other day said, you should come to this promotion and I immediately just said, I'm like a vampire. I don't come unless you invite me in. And I think that's uh there's a little there's a little backlash to that and not getting what you want, you don't get what you don't ask for. But it makes sense. It has worked out tremendously for me to wait until I am noticed and needed to come into a place much like a vampire. It's the only kind of vampiring I do besides drinking the blood of innocence. Wait. Can you edit that or is that <laughs> that's forever. <laughs> Oh, now in the spirit of reflection uh, upon my 32nd birthday, I went back in fucking time again the following Friday because for the first weekend, and I cannot even imagine how long I was exclusively traveling via car. Now I did a car ride the last weekend, like one car ride, but I'm still getting to these places in and out of an airport and I'm riding with someone else, driving a car and riding in a car, very different things. I drove my ass all the way down to Florida for the River City Wrestling Con on Friday night. And you're going, You weren't even there Friday night. Yeah, I know, but call time is 10 a.m. for the River City Wrestling Con. These early shows, Peter, what is this? And I wanted to be there on time because not only was I going to be wrestling in a match, I also had a QA with the one and only Danhausen. And Danhausen is one of my oldest friends in wrestling. We go way, way back, but he is also the most over motherfucker in wrestling. The man walked in a building like the Pied Fucking Piper with everyone following him carrying pictures of him to sign. He gets to the table and one day like it's there's a balance here where I understand Danhausen has not much time to do this. There's a lot of people trying to get autographs, trying to get pictures. But to see the speed at which Danhausen and Danhausen's assistant can get through a crowd of people, it is incredible. Because I will take 45 minutes on every person. And they're like, Effie, your merch is so long. And it's like, if I wasn't the slowest person in America, it wouldn't be so long. I want to give everyone their moment. Danhausen has given everyone their moment. And if they want to come get some signed stuff, come do it. And if you want to sit next to them on a stage and do your own Q&A panel, well, you got to do some gay wrestling like I did. The weird thing about these wrestling cons, though, is this. In wrestling, a lot of times, I've thought of a lot of nights in hotel rooms where you're kind of going man, remember this legendary run of so-and-so or when they had this match, when they had this moment? And you kind of sit and you have this sort of hero's glow about these people, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if you're wondering where they are now, my love, they're in a 100-degree warehouse in Florida signing pictures of their face. All of them. They're all there. Kevin Nash, Ron Simmons, Sergeant Slaughter, the remaining members of Demolition, and even the second iteration of uh, the Kiss Demon from WCW. Now, you may not be familiar with the Kiss Demon. This story is a fucking hilarious. We're doing the Q&A me and Danhausen and it's out of control rowdy. There's a lot of people there. We're having fun. We're answering questions. And I made a comment that I couldn't believe that the WCW Kiss Demon was here. Now the original Kiss Demon was Brian Adams Crush and he passed away unfortunately, but they were like this is too sick. We got to have a second Kiss Demon. And when I say the Kiss Demon, I kind of want you to see a picture of this. Okay. Um and this is where the story gets interesting. I was familiar that there was a second person. I don't have any intimate knowledge of this performer as a person, my family did. <laughs> there he is, the Kiss Demon. Okay. So the Kiss Demon is... Uh, I made the comment, and then all of a sudden in the middle of this Q&A, the Kiss Demon shows up at the q and It was like, I heard I was called. I was like, oh my God, the Kiss Demon. So we got pictures together, we're hanging out, and then the Kiss Demon's kind of there. Turns out the Kiss Demon is a former pro baseball player, Dale Torberg, and I asked my brother on the way out, I said, do you know the Kiss Demon? <laughs> he goes no and I go do you know Dale Torborg and he goes of the Chicago White Sox I think he works there as a trainer now and I go well here's a picture of us together he's also the kiss demon and I'm sitting over here going oh my god the WCW kiss demon and as I'm telling more people they're going like you met former MLB star Dale Torborg and I was like yes I did so by the time I got to telling my dad I didn't even include the kiss demon part I just went I met Dale Torborg yesterday, and he goes, great player. Heard he's still coaching up there doing some training. And I was like, oh this is such a bizarre world where like, I can be enamored by a person's performance and excited to see them and have no understanding that like, they are also very powerful in another part of the world. What I'm saying is I have to reverse Taylor Torborg, and I have to become a professional baseball player now. Okay, I've seen Rookie of the Year. I know how this shit goes. Field of Dreams, build it, and they're going to come everywhere. I don't know. But I think I could do it. My brother was a collegiate uh, baseball player, played in AAU groups. He was a very good pitcher. He's a very good hitter, sick shortstop. Me, I love that dandelions grow in the back of right field because you can pick them and put them in your pocket. That's the kind of baseball player I was. But now I think I've got a little more uh, monster in me, and I think I can go really rip the ball, and I will be working for the Atlanta Braves within two years. I have a feeling. I have a feeling in my heart. After meeting Del Torberg, I I still had to wrestle. And if I'm at a con, I have no concept of time at all. And I'm hoping with more cons coming up, and we'll talk about the cartoon in a minute, uh, that I will continue to lose track of time. But all of a sudden over the PA, as I'm at my table trying to hawk the wares and meet and greet people, they go, Effie to the locker room. And I'm going, oh, I thought we weren't wrestling for two hours. Like, what's going on? F-E to the locker room. And I got to walk by and I see... Black Nature Boy Scoot Andrews was there, and I saw him on the way to the locker room. Incredible Florida wrestler from back in the day. Still can go. Still has the body. Please, somebody book me against the Black Nature Boy Scoot Andrews. I would love it. But I get to the backstage, and they go, you're the first match, and it starts in 20 minutes. I haven't even changed. I haven't done anything. I haven't called a match. I haven't put anything together. And I just go, cool. And here's the second part. And this is where, like, I'm trying to find a polite way to keep the attitude of y'all can't tell me shit, but y'all can't tell me shit. And they had fucking Loki Brandon uh, doing the doing the agenting. Now you don't know Loki, but Loki's broken my friend's necks before. He's very unsafe as a worker. His line was very short. I don't care about Loki. He's about five six. And I don't give a shit. I'm gonna be honest. He's like a black belt MMA guy, and he dresses up like a hitman character. Okay. Like, can you imagine telling everybody to take wrestling seriously? And then you dress up like Mario and you're like, it's my favorite game. Yo, like you just look like a Hitman cosplayer. It is what it is. I'm not going to bitch here about it. But they said Loki's your agent for the match. And what that means is they're going to kind of tell you what they want to see from the match, what they want you to do. Peter, the word agent is why I don't work for any fucking TV companies, because I don't need shitty mid carters who can't sell t-shirts to tell me how to put my matches together. I don't need it. But luckily, Loki can feel the energies of the universe. And this is what he said. He goes, Effie, Ray, you have 14 minutes. And then he walked away, because he knew... One going to be shit you could tell me that was going to change my match. Thank you, Brandon. Go do your match against two giant guys. I can't believe you won. It's so amazing. How did Loki overcome two giant men? It's embarrassing at some point that we don't pull him aside and go, nobody thinks this is very uh, hardcore. Come fight me, bro. I don't give a shit. So match with Ray Fury going excellent. Usually I perform in front of people, Peter, that, they kind of know who I am or want to see me. And there's a few of those people here, but a lot of these people are literally here because Kevin Nash is signing autographs and because they can meet Ron Simmons and go like take a picture with a fake Jim Neidhart. There's also a woman who passed out at the fake Jim Neidhart. Jim Neidhart's dead. Uh, and there's a man who looks like Jim Neidhart who signs autographs as Jim Neidhart and a woman passed out there and the paramedics had to take her away. That's a side bit. But we're in this match. These people are not like very effy uh, they're not, they're not up to speed, okay? And so as I'm having this match, there's a thing that goes off in my brain where most people, if they're not reacting the way you want, and it's not like they weren't reacting fully the way I wanted. They were tired. It's very hot. It's 4 o'clock. They've been watching wrestling all day. It was 3 o'clock. They pushed it forward. I lose my fucking mind. Um, not in a bad way, but in a way of like, let me become a monster and just do weirdo shit the whole time and see if people even notice. To the point where I hit my head on the light on the top of the ceiling, taking some kind of top rope dumb Rana thing. You know, I'm in the match asking the guy, you think you could take this move? Let's do it. You know, it's just stuff like that where you're like, fuck it. If they don't care, I don't care. Let's get weird. And everybody's like, oh, the match is great. But also, like, I know in my head, I'm like, I was just fucking around. But I had a really good time with Ray Fury. We had a great match. I hit my head on the ceiling light. Someone the next day, they had another con the next day they also hit their head on the ceiling light and took it off the roof. So it's good to know that it wasn't just a me thing. But one of the wrestlers was like, why didn't you use the other corner where there's not a light? And I was like, you're talking to me about what I did? Everybody's talking about me hitting the light? Wh- why would I not hit the light? Are you kidding me? You want me to just go have a generic match and not risk my life and limb? No way. I want some destruction. This is the same promotion last year who I showed up day three, After fighting Pero in a Last Daddy Standing match where I was lit on fire and thrown through glass and bleeding everywhere. Then I fought the 400-pound Ace Romero. Then I showed up there and I fought a seven-foot-tall man named Gabezilla in a hardcore match. And I said to the promoter, hey, for the hardcore match, what are the hardcore items that we can break? And I think he said something along the lines of, "Um, oh, I I called it hardcore no DQ so that you could do like a nut shot and it wouldn't DQ you. And I go, all right, bro, well, I'm going to break some shit. And he goes, "What are we going to tell the venue?" And I go, "Man, I know you got to figure that out." And I walked away and I broke a bunch of shit. So, in the spirit of fairness, I just did exactly what I was supposed to do, which was break a bunch of shit. And this time, I left the light up top. I didn't break it fully, but it was a good moment. Uh, I also, I you, last year at the River City Wrestling Con was when Mark Henry pulled me aside uh and was talking to me about oh you're getting over you know stick with it you know you're doing well and he means it respectfully and I get it uh but also it was kind of a moment in my head where I was like oh, I don't think people understand what I'm doing and that's fine but I got to talk to him that Friday morning on busted open Sirius XM radio with Thunder Rosa and Dave LaGreca great show listen to it a lot of fun wrestling on there and he had brought up how much of my stuff he had seen and stuff he had told me to go learn about and and kind of seeing a year later of like Yo, they're starting to really get it. You know what I mean? Like, they're starting to pick up the, like, I love all your advice. I love your criticisms. I love what you have to do. I'm not for you, and I'm glad you did well in the business. I'm not for you, and I'm me. And they're getting it, and it's working. And that's a very, it's rewarding, Peter. It's a rewarding feeling. Now, Sunday, I would have stayed at River City Wrestling Con if I was not offered the fucking coolest thing I've ever been offered in my life. In my opinion. Now, my dad's favorite wrestler might be Ric Flair, but I'm going to say for public record purposes that it is uh, Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. My dad loves Ricky Morton. My dad was so impressed that I was wrestling Ricky Morton. And as I tell Ricky Morton, I go, Ricky Morton, you're my dad's favorite wrestler, and you're my second favorite wrestler. And he goes, who's your first? And I go, Robert Gibson, your tag team partner. he goes, dang it, no! (laughs) I love it. Uh, But he invited me to come to a seminar for his students up at the School of Morton, Uh, in, is it Chuck, Chucky, Tennessee, Chucky, Tennessee. And so what did I do? I drove home from Jacksonville in the car. I spent 44% of my weekend in the car. I want you to know that I do all the math on this. I'm not like a math guy all the time, but when it comes down to like, oh, I was awake for 27 hours. My match was 11 minutes. It's 0.6% of my day. I like knowing those weird things. I spent 44% of my time in the car and I felt kind of bad because not only did I take the car out of town, I share a car with my partner now. His mom was coming into town for the weekend. My my mother-in-law, technically, by all legal purposes. And I was like, see ya. <laughs> Not going to be here. But luckily, I got home earlier than I thought both days. And so midnight Saturday night when I'm rolling back in, they were still up for a little bit. Having fun, hanging at the house. I woke up the next day and left about 10. But I still had time to spend uh, breakfast, coffee, a little relaxation time. Chilling with your mother-in-law. You're, it's good to do. It's good that she's out here. I think that a lot of our parents, a lot of our parents' friends, and this isn't across the board, but we live a life now of a little more fuck it and a little less expectation. And so I think her getting to come see that, like, here's our cool, as she put it, swanky apartment. We live next to the park. I am a weird fantasy person who pretend fights in my underwear Uh, A.J. likes to party and go see drag queens, and he's a professional business person. And it sort of like opens their mind to like, oh, my God, you can do anything. And so seeing her sort of just like enjoy the day to take on Atlanta with her son, it was beautiful. But I did leave after that because I had to go teach the kids. Peter, I get nervous doing seminars. Here's why. I'm not nervous about what I'm teaching you. I'm nervous for a few other reasons. One, I don't want you to give up on wrestling. I'm very direct about my thoughts on wrestling. I'm also very zoom out on wrestling where all of the backstage, all of the who's working where, who's doing this contracts, you know, heat. I don't care about any of that. I care about entertaining people who are paying to see me and getting them into the building. So they want to see me. And so when I zoom that out for a lot of people, I think it's very eye opening. but I also want them to leave and go like, he didn't speak too above our heads because you don't know the skill level of people you're getting in there. And I do a seminar that is you do not bump. I remember the first seminar I ever did, I go, take your knee pads off. You're not gonna need knee pads. We're gonna sit here and talk because that's it's something a lot of wrestling training doesn't get. You do a lot of hip tosses, do a lot of arm drags, do a lot of bumping, drills, not a lot of understanding of what we actually do and understanding the business mechanics. So the nerves really come from I don't want to let anybody down who's paying me money to teach them. Right. And it's silly a little bit because I've been to a lot of seminars in wrestling and like the the wink nod of a seminar is like well, hell, we can't pay this guy enough. So the kids need to take a seminar. And if you don't take the seminar, you're not getting booked on the show. You better come learn from the legends. Then the seminar itself is like, let me see you roll. Everybody do a two-minute match. I'm going to tell you why you suck. And I don't ever want to be that kind of seminar. I don't want anybody to leave and be like, I guess that's why he makes so much money. I want him to leave and be like, he should have charged more. Now, not in this situation. Ricky Morton held up the town. But I was honored to get to teach at the School of Morton. And to have someone who is... Such a legacy figure in all of wrestling that understands the the work across space and time. I mean, the man has worked in Japan and Europe and Canada. He's worked everywhere. He's done everything. TV, not TV. He's a legend. To have him kind of give the wink nod of approval that Effie can come teach his kids some stuff, holy shit. That's like that's like grandpa finally giving you over the keys to the Chevette. You know what I mean? It's magic. And so after that, I I you know, I sat there, I talked for almost three straight hours. Damn. And then this came up because they said, I said, was that a pretty long seminar? And they said, it was pretty long, but we had a longer one. I said, who was the longer one? I'm feisty today, Peter. I'm about to say something that's going to get me heat. <clears throat> they said, Al Snow came here and Al Snow uh, talks for five hours. Now I've seen videos from Al Snow seminars and you're looking at me. I don't think you know who Al Snow is. No. Back in the day, in the nineties, two thousands, Al Snow played a character that was, uh, mentally unstable he would write help backwards across his head like he was looking in the mirror and he would come out with a uh, with a mannequin's head okay and his theme song went like this he's holding a head what does everybody want and he would hold up the head what does everybody need and he would hold up the head and to the point where there were multiple audiences that brought all of their own mannequin heads and when they said what does everybody want they want head What does everybody need? They need head. And I said, you're telling me Al Snow talked to y'all for five hours about pro wrestling. And they said, yeah, had a lot of good stuff to teach. And I said, let me give you the real Al Snow seminar. Blowjob jokes are hilarious. That's the only thing he ever got over. That man is not going to tell me how to structure a match and structure serious moments when he was in the fucking job squad with his mannequin head doing blowjob jokes. Folks, consider the source of your information and try not to listen to Al Snow for more than even 10 minutes because if his matches went longer than that, you would have turned off the TV. That's what I have to say. Is that rude? No. It's true. It's the backpedaling of history where, like, nowadays it's like, you know, you turn 50 and you get testosterone replacement therapy and look jacked and you work old style matches because you can't bump anymore and you think you're some different competitor than you were al snow is a blowjob joke that is all he has ever been that's all he will ever be and effie can certainly tell you there's plenty of money to be made in blowjob jokes plenty but honey don't act like you're teaching anything new this is this is not your school of craft you gotta really lock in the headlock so they'll laugh at the blowjob joke what you gotta really hit one punch or they'll think you're fake What about the blowjob joke? You know, like it's there's once again the asterisk of I learned so much from Al Snow, asterisk, he only made money because he had a dick suck joke in his career. Oh my God. This is, we're going to get people fired up on this episode. When you started
1: telling me that, I was like, this blowjob joke, there's no way that that's this guy's whole thing, it's
0: his whole thing. There's no moment that people reflect on where they're like, man, when Al Snow locked in that figure four and the blood was pouring down and we didn't know who'd win the championship. No, that's never happened. It's seven minute matches of him doing head jokes. Now, was he a competent uh, professional wrestler? Of course, they have to be. Proficiency is necessary, but proficiency is not interesting. You know what's interesting, Peter? Below job jokes. So I gave them the brief Al Snow seminar. I got back on the road. I got back again right about midnight. I hung out with my mother in law and my beautiful partner again. And then we started it all over. And now I'm back. I'm here in Atlanta and I fully feel Summer Effie has emerged from the cocoon. I think you can feel the heat in my voice today. You can feel the passion in my storytelling today. Peter, we're in. We're ready. Buckle the fuck up. Do we got questions? We do have questions. (laughs) Um, Also, I'm going to, we need a sponsor. And if that means joining a podcast network, we might do it. I love all our listeners. All our listeners are wonderful. We do need a sponsor. Weekend at at gmail.com. If you guys don't find a sponsor, it's fine. But we are going to end up being sponsored by, like, someone's great aunt who just wants to put the money because she thinks I'm a nice boy. You can, here's, here, you just take $50 and you don't have to say my name. This weekend's podcast is sponsored by Miss Auntie Rose. She loves wrestling. Right? Weekend at effies at gmail.com.
1: Uh, I have a funny little uh, effie sink. So m- I also have interesting family backstory, grandparents, and that kind of thing. Oh, please tell. Uh, so my grandfather, my mom's side, created the Tonight Show monologue. He was a comedy writer. What? If you look into like serious like comedy history books, my grandfather's name is like all over the early days. This is incredible, yeah. Peter. Uh, he his best friend was not a good person, but neither was he. Um, Drew Barrymore's grandfather. Yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: Holy mackerel, Peter.
1: Uh, and he was on, the, he loved racing race cars, and he was on the same racing team as James Dean and watched oh. him die.
0: Holy mackerel. So
1: I love looking through old, there was a James, because like when you're on set doing these houses, they just buy like, there's base, There's a website you can go to where you like buy books by like a measured distance. It's called like books by the foot. Oh my and so God. So it's just like stuff to be on To set. fill the shelves. Yeah. So you get like a lot of like Glenn Beck books that you have to Photoshop the cover off and everything. No. Uh, but they had a James Dean photo book and I was flipping through it. And so it's him by like a graveyard it's not orienting the right way but if you look in the graveyard in the back is he back there uh no it's um <laughs> it's your name <laughs> no way
0: <laughs> yo effie's on the grave i'm everywhere i'm in history my mortal flesh is 32 but everything else is infinite
1: have you had anything uh with the birthday anything like significant pop up
0: I mean, I'll say that. I mean, like, I felt sort of a wave of release with the birthday and with the timing of kind of this new cartoon stuff and everything coming out and everything kind of starting to get announced. You know, it. It's. uh, I don't know if there was any great moment, but I do feel like it's like you got off at the top floor. You know what I mean? Like we've been riding the elevator and now we kind of like stepped out and we're like, yeah, "Ah." yeah.
1: Anything involving old wrestlers, like former legends. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Plenty like this whole week was chock full of me talking to people I watched growing up in wrestling. Okay, okay like the that's... entirety of the week was built around that. Um, I do, I don't think I'm supposed to tell people yet, but I did yesterday do a- another set of podcast interviews one with Renee Young, which should be out next week, but another with uh Victoria So Calval and Mickey James, all incredible performers. They do a triple podcast together called uh Gaul. And I think it means girls in wrestling. I don't know exactly what it means. But like between Mark Henry, between being at the con where I'm talking to all these old heads, uh, talking to the legends yesterday, like I'm sort of like I'm in them now. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not like, oh, it's nice to me. I'm a wrestler, too. It's like they're coming to me and they're like, Effie, we've heard so much. And you're like, this is bizarre, but it doesn't feel weird. You know what I mean? It was like when I stepped out of the Hammerstein, people were like, how crazy is that? There's twenty three hundred people. I go, I felt right. It felt like where it was supposed to be in that moment, you know? So I'm trying to take everything in with that, you know, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But also kind of like wiping the brain to go like, no, you're supposed to be here. These are your coworkers. These are people you're with. It is
1: bizarre though, Peter. It's bizarre. You should expect that to continue the rest of the year into your next birthday. Well,
0: one, one place it can't continue, Peter, and I just got irrationally angry, is Jeff Jarrett ran away. Did he? oh, because he's, he's like uh, He went back to Vince and took a job running live house show events. So is it like he won't wrestle now or I gave him all the dates and he said no 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 and then he signed the deal and hasn't said a word. Unbelievable. This isn't Memphis, bro. I can't keep this storyline going for another three years. And I don't know if you know this, my fucking Padawan braid is it's it's great, it's fine, but this is a mess, Peter. I can't keep this forever. Thank God this week on Obi One, Anakin Skywalker had his fucking Padawan braid out because I was the whole time I'm watching the show going, "Oh yeah, I love it, Jedi lightsaber." No, Je- no Jedi Padawan braid, and then I finally got one today. I'm keeping the braid, Jeff. I'll keep this motherfucker all the way through Hollywood. I'll make him uh, green screen out it like it's a mustache for Superman. You think I'm fucking around? I'm not a master till I beat you. So you tell old Vince with his fake cheek implants and his Botox to let you have a weekend off so I can kick your fucking ass. How about that, old man? You're going to go run house shows. You're going to go run house shows? You know what house shows are, Peter? It's just regular wrestling shows they're not going to put on TV because people, they live in B markets. And so you can't get the TV show at the B market. You can only fill 5,000 seats and we need 10,000 for TV. So he runs the the events that can't even be shown on TV. Went back to Vince.
1: Goodness. My
0: God. That's what you get with the Effie rub, though. You get over, and you go back to Vince, and you suck the teat. I'm sorry I'm so fired up today, Peter. I'm very fired up. You can feel my spirit is burning in this Gemini pride season.
1: It is a full moon today. (laughs) All right, questions. Oh, uh, Mm. real quick uh andy you reached out to me on the email i hate to do this on the podcast but i do not know any other way to contact you your email inbox is full so reach out to me <laughs> on social media at low sky dance on instagram and twitter it was and like return like, to you yeah like with the, like love the email great just need to follow up on a couple things but like you it wouldn't go through Wow. You yeah, must be a busy human being with all those. <laughs> That's a lot of emails.
0: <laughs> or he's signing up for Bed Bath & Beyond 20% off coupons under fake names with the same email and trying to combine them. Okay.
1: This is from Steven. Dear Effie and Peter, I have questions. Uh, oh, there's a lot of questions. All right. Let's get into all of these. If you ever had a movie made of your life, which director would you want to helm the project? And we have to choose between the four of these. Okay, uh, Warner Herzog. David Lynch, Michael Bay, or Gus Van Zandt? Oh man. See, because now,
0: like, as you say the names, I'm seeing the different films, you know? And like all of me for my financial success wants to say Michael Bay, and I save people from explosions before they get suplexed or something. And then the Gus Van Zandt thing, like, that's gonna get so that's gonna get weird, right? Like it's, it's gonna, gonna get dark. It's gonna get very dark. And then uh who is my first one here?
1: Uh Werner Herzog.
0: Werner Herzog is one of the most marvelous humans, but he is the voice of God, and I cannot, uh, I cannot fight with God. I'm not going to be in a Werner Herzog movie because I do believe that he is a partial, like a, a spirit conduit for the essence of what we know as God, uh, and she is crazy as shit, but he's got a lot of good things to say. So that brings us to David Lynch. My, my my life often feels a little David Lynchian and I don't mean for it to be where like things just are happening and you don't know how anything is connected and nothing makes sense. And then like two months later, you're like, oh, fuck, is that what was going on with that? So I think it's the only obvious choice because, you know, there's obviously a straightforward pine narrative. But if you listen to this podcast the way it was today, I'm all over the fucking place. And so is David Lynch. And I think that we would be a match made in heaven uh, or hell, I think he could just try to break me as a human being, which maybe he would. It's David Lynch. What am I gonna do?
1: I would go for the David Lynch too, but that's just because he is my all-time favorite film director. He's like, your goat. He is like because he slips so much stuff in there where I, I like I sit there and I watch and I go, this is going above almost everyone's heads, but like the deep occult fascination that he had. Like Twin Peaks is based off of the only Aleister Crowley novel. <laughs> <laughs> and no one knows that. I did not know that. And it's it nails it. That's insane. And is really scary because it's also like very much breaching into reality. Yeah. as we get further and further into this weirdness. Let it
0: breach. Maybe it wasn't a novel after all. Isn't that a work of fiction?
1: I would say I would love to see you in uh, Grizzly Man, the sequel. If you're going to go back to Warner,
0: <laughs> it's very likely that the bears will kill him or accept him as one of their own. He could end up hibernating for another seven months with the Bears because any motion could set them off. Uh, I want to bring up one thing about David Lynch. I had that triptych shirt, the pink triptych shirt. I was selling it at the Atlanta show. Somebody finally made the, is that a racer head on your shirt, Effie? And I was like, thank God you, you noticed it looks just like it. Because when Pryor's made the shirt, I was like, I look like a racer head. And he was like, I know. That's why I did it. And I was like, yeah, you rule, dude. He just did the new Danhausen shirt, which you should all get on Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh it says, I got a Danhausen shirt and all I got was this lousy curse and it's incredible. Oh, that's The amazing. art is good. Um Yeah, I think speaking of movies and directors and things today, I've been tagged about 12 times in the picture of Ryan Gosling as Ken. Have you seen this yet? Yes. They're like, Is he is he effy? And I just want to be clear, it's not effie if he's playing Ken. It's I have I have a much bigger wiener than a Ken doll. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest. All right, I don't know what's going on with that movie. All right, but don't don't compare me to Ken. Okay,
1: it's just it's weird to me that they're now making a Barbie movie.
0: It is Greta Gerwig though, so I think there's gonna be a, a deeper depth to this than okay. just you know because Lady Bird was about finding identity and trusting yourself, and that the people who are pushing you away are sometimes trying to push you in the right direction. So maybe it'll be about Barbie like um realizing that she's on a terrible mushroom trip and she comes out of reality and you know because sometimes you you meet people it's like going back to that story of bobby with his dolls in his head dude i bet that guy thinks he's Ken, a hundred percent with all these hot dolls around him or whatever's going on so maybe we'll i don't know if it'll be full like open the wormhole she lives in an alley and thinks she's a star but i think we could get weird with this barbie movie they said they are not including the song Barbie Girl, which people were like, that's weird. And I was like, it's not, though, if uh, if they're going to go in a strange direction. That's true. But also it's I think there was a, a negative connotation. Mix of- I'm a Barbie world, Barbie world. Yeah, I think that'd be incredible.
1: If you had to have one body part replaced like a cyborg, so we're getting robot parts, mm-hmm. what would it be?
0: This is incredible, Peter, because I literally had... And I want to say it was a conversation, but it was mostly me yelling at people uh, about how our feet are useless and how we need to upgrade to hooves. Okay? Think with me, Peter. I'm professional wrestler Effie. All right? I come out with hooves. I don't have little toes you can bite off. Fucking
1: terrifying.
0: I don't have little toes. I've got gold hoof horns on the bottom. And I just scrape away parts of it. And if I kick you in the face, you ever seen somebody after they get hooved? Oh my God. Terry Funk got hooved by a horse one time in a match on a ranch with I think his brother and or Dusty Rhodes. And he goes, oh, horse. And the horse kicked him in the face. I'm just saying, these little these little, uh, these little, little puppy feet with these little baby shrimps attached, I want to get them massaged all the time. It's very expensive. Feet hurt. Feet are not built for what I do. I want hooves. I want big horse hooves And I want to kick people with them. And I want diamond and gold horseshoes on the bottom of them. And I want them to make me at least six inches taller. And when I'm bored, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shimmy my little hooves across the ground and scrape them and go. I'm ready to be the hoof man. Mr. Tumnus, you're like a twunk version of if Effie had hooves. Okay? I'm talking more leg hair, bigger hooves. Hell, I might even grow a horn. We might even go back to a bad translation of Moses and put a horn on me. Okay? Go look at that in the Bible. They really fucked that up saying the man had horns. It was a bad translation. Wait, which
1: book?
0: There's a translation of Moses where he has horns. Huh. Did you know that? No. And some people are going like, it's a mistranslation. It did lead to a lot of like anti Semitic hate of like why, like when they portray Jews with horns. It's based off that translation of Moses appearing with horns. So I want the horns. I don't want it to be a mistranslation. Maybe this is where I finally overcome the demonology now i can say that the cartoon is out this is the demon shit coming back out bro and if you've read the graphic novels you can figure it out for yourself i made a pledge in 2016 of my mortal flesh beater this is a long podcast today we had a lot to talk about it's a double episode i don't give a shit i made a pledge uh to a demon sea tree it's a demon that controls lust that controls passions helps with humans you're not always in love with C-Tree, but C-Tree's presence can create a lot of combustible feelings, and all I can say is there's a higher level of that demon, and I have, a, I have ascended, my friend, and now it will be permanent, and the ascension is only going higher, and I fucking hope I get hooves and horns.
1: <laughs> For anyone that thinks this is a joke, I actually, you don't know this, but I have magical protection for when you come over and i banish the entire house when you leave we had a i love you but i'm not trying to have demon recipe oh listen
0: i get it we had a moment one year where you had a concern i'm not going to go into any detail there was a concern that's when i started doing it on christmas day there was a concern and you brought it to me and i said huh and now as my powers grow stronger I understand the need for a little protection. If you need to be protected from Effie, go ahead and Cash out to Peter, uh, roughly the equivalent of two hundred human dollars, and he will he will <laughs> cleanse you uh, of the demon uh, residue. This isn't. I think we we have to be careful with the way words are put out because you know people have a negative connotation of demonology and those sorts of things. Protective spirits have existed in all sorts of planes and existences. But yes, as mortal humans, we do often uh, look like bacteria to such great things. So we must be a little bit calm because, you know, much like Superman or the Flash, uh, people are going to die to save the greater good. So just make sure you don't get too close. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And... just from like a magical perspective, there is no such thing as good or evil. It's shades of gray throughout reality. And that's duality is a human construct and doesn't apply to angels or demons, even though we like to set them into separate camps when they're actually two sides of a whole.
0: I'm so excited that you brought this up because dead in paranormal park debuts tomorrow. I'm not going to say anything else, but boy, nail on the head, baby nail on the head, a beautiful thing, I'm so excited for that cartoon to come out. Please binge the first season, even though I don't know I'm really if I'm really in the first season that much, except for maybe towards the tail. I don't know. Please check it out. Dead in Paranormal Park. It's gonna be so gay. It's gonna be so exciting.
1: I would replace my entire left arm with a <laughs> robot arm. This is more out of like practicality. So I broke my arm twice when I was a kid, and I broke it two more times as like a teenager or young adult. To where my doctor has told me that if I break it one more time, we're looking at like some kind of serious handicap for the rest of my life. Holy shit. So I would very much like to get rid of this arm.
0: Oh, well, I mean, we could get rid of it. I just don't have a replacement <laughs> yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My gosh, Peter. Yeah. We do have to protect you. I used you. to be
1: a little bit of a daredevil. And then the last time I broke something, it just disappeared from my life completely. You were like, I I got it. Like, I hit
0: it. We're good.
1: The serotonin's been released. Exactly. Well, it was also because i got into one skateboarding accident uh like seriously got some like seriously bad road rash i almost got hit by a car when it happened and so um uh i i broke the bone that connects your thumb to the rest of your hand oh God. So my hand was like generally fine but i was like oh my thumb just doesn't move it at just all dangles whatsoever. if you look that's where the titanium rod is connecting my. So you're telling
0: you' this thing was just hanging flaccid yeah, on yeah, your hand. Yeah. We're just
1: no. I went to work the next day. I assisted like a ten hour day on this crazy architectural shoot. Like full sleeves in the middle of summer because I was trying to hide the fact that my entire arm was, was just like shaved up rash. of yeah. skin. Yeah. And then, uh, while I'm like all casted up for that, I go out skating again and I put a hole in my elbow. Oh yeah. That's not a joke. That if I Look hit at that. my elbow in that spot, I get nauseous. Really? Cause I just never got it treated. Cause I was like, I'm a dumbass. I got hurt skating twice while I have a <sighs> cast.
0: Did it? Did it do the swell up? Did your bursa sacs all pop out?
1: It didn't get any nothing like that. Yeah, um, I don't like I, that. There was a little bone sticking out. Oh, come on! <laughs> oh, the little bone. So I would just replace the whole thing. Ugh, I don't like thinking about that skeleton
0: living in me. Uh,
1: if you could know one secret of the universe, what would it be?
0: All right, hold up. I gotta. We gotta get this right. Um, God, one secret of the universe.
1: I I'll go first on this. Please. One. I want to know what the fuck is up with the aliens. Yeah, well, that's I was trying to figure
0: out sort of a way to ask this in a broader sense of like
1: wh- like how to get all all the details on Yeah, the whole like thing? how yeah. can you ask a big enough yeah. question
0: where they have to sort yeah. of reveal everything? Yeah. Like, you know, are there are there advanced species that can travel through our dimensions and be seen whether they want to be or not, you know? Like a it's kind of like a ghost, you know.
1: Maybe just like an outsider's history of the universe and kind of broad strokes, but like detailed. Not from a human centric point from, of exactly, view. Exactly. Exactly. Listen,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm scared of ghosts more now than ever though, because after I saw interstellar, every time I hear a little bump in the house or run in the night, I know it's that fucker Matthew McConaughey in here just messing with my books, trying to show his love from another space time in a black hole. And you better get out of my house, Matthew McConaughey. I'm not buying a Lincoln.
1: Okay, one more question.
0: I'm ready. Keep them rapid fire.
1: Also, if if anyone out there does ever run into a ghost or anything like that, what you're supposed to do is very kindly say, you're dead, you're not aware that you're dead, it's okay that you're dead, and it's okay for you to go. And that will get rid of any ghost.
0: You're telling me I got to kick out the only person who will come over and hang out with me? Nicely. You do it nicely. <laughs> what if, what, do we, Obi-Wan next week? We got to watch the season finale. I'll do it after that. And then the ghost can go
1: home. Uh, if you could choose a day of birth. Oh, hold on. If you could choose a day of birth, what would it be? AKA, if you could change your astrological sign, what would you change it to? If you could change it at all.
0: I don't think I can even take this question on, Peter. I mean, everyone knows Jesus was born on December 25th. Would he even be Jesus if he wasn't born
1: on December 25th? Uh, uh, So according to astrologers, the reason why the three wise men, or however many of them that there are, which probably were magicians, astrologer types, the reason they were on that quest was because they knew based on the astrology that someone born around that time would be highly significant as a human being.
0: So these dudes were just out looking for wild They're like, okay,
1: whoever, like this time right here, however it lines up, they're going to do something significant and we want to basically bless them as they come into the world.
0: I really want to hear the pre-conversation though that's like, we got all this gold and frankincense and myrrh. What are we going to do with it? Like, wh- We don't need all this. And they're like, I heard there might be a magic baby coming soon. We should bring it to the magic baby. They're going to need all of this shit. This, this little magic baby is going to need perfume and gold, honey. Let's go. <laughs> Get down there. We're here. Have you ever seen The Life of Brian? Yes. I watch it at least once a year. And I just that whole scene <laughs> like, no, you can leave the gifts. But what are you doing here? Why are you here? What's going on? Yeah, that's. uh, I don't think Jesus was born on December 25th either. I think it's sort of a, there's another mistranslation. No,
1: I think they're pretty sure he was a Pisces sun because that would.
0: I was born the same day as Prince and Mick Foley. My spiritual energy is heightened to a great degree. I don't think I can change anything. I got to know where this goes.
1: I would change your Mercury. Yeah? Something not as slow. So you might be like a real problem if you moved a little faster
0: the thing is i i can go at a fast speed but there's a slowness to uh, it's a control thing some of my slowness is a control thing like if i go at a slower pace and take my time and do certain things i'm in control of the timeline
1: that makes like because you have mercury and taurus and mercury is you cannot get this a, a a, a basically like a cow if you're trying to get that cow to move somewhere it will move on its own time but not with you pushing it yeah
0: you can't do anything to make the cow move and i i discussed this in my seminars too about how it's it's a little bit of a negative because in wrestling let's say i have just a terrible idea and it's horrible and stupid and i do it and it doesn't work i go huh all right like i don't care like it's past me But if someone else, if anyone else gave me an idea that wasn't up to snuff or if I had to listen to an agent tell me how they want the finish or how they want this move or how they want that, uh, I would immediately not do any of it. And I think my parents realized this early on of like there's no uh, there's no like real reason behind it. But if you ask me to do something and you're speaking to me as if you can make me do something, I will not do it, even if it's to my absolute benefit. It's a this is a negative characteristic, Peter, but I love
1: having it. I think well for me the astrology it doesn't excuse anything because you can always work on of stuff course. that's in your chart to make it work a little bit better, um, AKA your birthday gift that I gave you. Um, Very excited. The, a, I have a greater acceptance of myself knowing the weird parts of my personality that are shown out in the natal chart where I go okay. That's how that is. That's why there's a little
0: difficulty going on there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I have... My chart is ridiculous. I have five planets in Capricorn. So I would shift out about a month or two if I had my way, or maybe just like... I don't know. I like my rising sign. I like being a Sagittarius. It balances out all the Capricorn. Because on the surface, I... appear like I'm having a better time than I'm actually having when in reality it takes me like a little bit to like warm up to things and like really get comfortable. Yeah. And stuff, cause I have so much in, but you don't want to,
0: you also don't want to cause the concern of looking like you're uncomfortable either.
1: No. So like outwardly the two, the two bits of fire I have in my chart very much balance all of that. Just cold earth. That's really at like the Let's warm that
0: earth up, Peter. It's Let's awesome. go get that earth warm and hot, like magma.
1: Do you want to do our other questions? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, we're here. Look, the people want these long ones anyway, and we had a lot to talk about. We're keeping it going. This is getting very interesting. I'm excited. We get
1: so much spam on the email, so send us a non-spam email, a.k.a. a sponsorship email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we do get some spam. What are you going to do? Also, if Peter ever wanted to slip in questions that he like wanted to ask me but didn't know they were from them... I would easily not know it was from him Perfect. because Good to know. Uh, I don't look at any of the questions. It's, it's part of my new technique called, I'm not the back of house anymore as much
1: as I don't need to be. Hello, Peter and Effie. My question is for both of you. If you could choose between the superpowers of flight, invisibility, or mind reading, which power would you pick and Why?
0: You know, you got to be careful you don't sound like a Clay Aiken creeper going with what I'm going with, but I would choose the invisibility because there are sometimes and I don't want it for like I'm going to go in the Porky's, you know, shower room. It's because like sometimes and I love everyone and this is this is me saying don't stop doing what you're doing, but if I could walk through a room in less than an hour, it would be incredible. Just there are certain times where I don't need to stop and be effy, and I will I always will if you go is that F-? like if you're just even genuinely looking at me like I know who you are I'm gonna stop we're gonna talk it'll go on for my own sake I would like to be invisible sometimes
1: it would also be great if you could just appear in the middle of the ring right there the song hits and I'm popping up I think I would pick Flight but I wouldn't enjoy it that much because I'm terrified of heights and especially when they're moving. Like I really don't do roller coasters. I actually tried to get over my fear of roller coasters and I went to universal and rode every single roller coaster. And at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I accept that. I don't like roller I coasters. I hated
0: all of that. I tried my best. I always think about how full my hands always are though with flight. And like, let's say you went to do a task. It's going to be way harder getting that shit home. If you got to fly at home. Yeah. I guess if you get a cool backpack or uh a- some kind of, maybe it's like a crane where they, you know, they hold the babies. The cranes hold babies.
1: Storks. sorry. Oh, yeah, with the little storks, uh, baby bundle. Yeah,
0: you got to carry your baby bundle in your mouth. But that can't be good for our teeth. No. I don't know. Flight would be fun. Uh, but, I yeah, I want to just disappear.
1: Yeah, mind reading would be uncomfortable. I don't need to know what everybody's thinking. Yeah, no.
0: I live a life of, like, people have plenty of thoughts about me all the time. I know this. I don't need to hear them. I don't ever need to hear them.
1: You don't want to be uh, Mel Gibson in that terrible movie.
0: I'm glad they made a girl's version of that movie starring Taraji P. Henson so that people could see that from either side, it's a stupid fucking concept. Whether it is a male or female lead, what a dumb fucking concept. Stop. Stop breaking dating roles down by gender, okay? We're over it. Gender doesn't exist, okay? That's, it's it's a fool's errand. Nobody knows what either of us want. Men, women, we don't know anything. If you're non-binary, what are we supposed to think? We can't read your mind? That would be the way. If Mel Gibson's reading everybody's mind, we all just start identifying as non-binary, and then he can't read anyone's mind. He goes insane. The silence ends him, much like it should have in the movie The Beaver. Did you see that film? No. The Beaver. You didn't see the Mel Gibson classic, The Beaver, with Jodie Foster?
1: Oh, I love her. Fuck
0: me up. This movie's about... The dad has issues, and he puts a beaver puppet on his hand to talk through his anger, and the beaver puppet won't leave, but it's like a real melodrama. What? And the beaver talks like this, but Mel Gibson talks like this, and he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And the beaver wants to do what it wants to do. And then Jodie Foster's like, I don't even like men. And he's like, but I'm a beaver. <laughs> it's a very, I enjoyed it. It's very dark. It goes exactly where you think it is. Mel Gibson as a beaver. Don't give him money, but pirate that shit. I don't give a fuck.
1: Do you remember when they tried to make Matthew McConaughey her love interest in Contact? Yes. it was like, there's no chemistry between the two of these humans. And There was was that one love scene where he was
0: like, what if we're different when you come back? And she goes, I just want to see my dad. Will men stop touching me? And then they made Contact. (laughs) Poor Jodie Foster. I love you, Jodie Foster. Don't let them men tell you what to do. And... And you should have just killed Mel Gibson in the movie. Whoa. But also, like, I don't know. uh, It's also a sign that, like, for Americans, I guess divorce is difficult because if he comes home with a beaver puppet on his hands, ladies, you don't need to stay married to him. No. You don't need to work through that. That's not a work-throughable. That's a red flag. God, that's a real movie? It's an hour and a half long, my friend. Jesus. Of him going, I'm a beaver. But it's not a goofy comedy. It's not a comedy film. But it is, you know, but like, it's not. It's like, he's like, I can't get rid of my beaver. And he's like, why would you want to get rid of me? I'm a beaver. I'm, if we're going to watch this terrifying. trailer. <laughs> we're going to watch the trailer. It's fucking stupid. I love it. I'm going to rewatch it again.